All right, so we are going to look at the image of God, and we're going to look at the image of God as it relates to the dominion mandate found in Genesis. Before you turn to Genesis 1, though, I'd like to open with Psalm 8. We're going to be looking at Genesis 1, but Psalm 8, I want to read that whole psalm. It's, it's a short psalm, and it talks about the fact that God made man a little lower than the angels, and it talks about the dominion mandate, how God made man to rule over the earth. So turn to Psalm 8, if you will. We'll read that, and then we'll turn to Genesis and spend a little more time there. So Psalm 8, to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, the Psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes. To the enemy and the event, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for Him? Yet you have made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned Him with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In the psalm, the psalmist praises God specifically for his work of creation and even more specifically for the creation of man, whom God has set over all things. God created man and set him over all things. And the psalmist here, David, praises God and says, How majestic is your name. God is worthy of our praise and honor for all his works, especially the creation of man and woman. So turn now to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll look at this passage in Genesis which talks about the creation of man. Now there's so much in Genesis that Genesis is a book of firsts. There's the first um, the creation of everything in the beginning. There's the first man and woman. There's the first... Um, act of unrighteousness by man. There's the first revelation from God, which we'll get to. And so much is laid as a foundation for all our existence in the book of Genesis. So when we look at this passage, we cannot overstate how important it is, and we cannot plumb the depths of the application from this passage. But we're going to look at chapter 1, and I'll read verse 26 through 28. And we're going to talk about God creating man in his own image. This doctrine is extremely important and so much, really, I mean, everything about our humanity begins here in this passage. So Genesis chapter 1, 26, chapter 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth 
and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what I want to do today briefly is look at the image of God and man as it relates to the dominion mandate that God gave in the beginning. We'll talk about how man lost that dominion in some sense through the fall. We'll talk about the restoration of that dominion mandate, and then we'll end with some brief application. So, when we talk about being created in the image of God, the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks this question, number 10, how did God create man? How did God create man? The answer, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. So when we talk about man being created in the image of God, we are not referring to our physical nature. God is not like us in the physical sense. We are like God in the spiritual sense. God made us to reflect who he is. The catechism, or excuse me, the confession puts it like this. After God made all the other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, rendering them fit unto that life to God for which they were created, being made after the image of God in knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness, having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it, and yet under a possibility of transgressing, being left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject to change. So, when we talk about man being made in the image of God, man is able to have a knowledge of God. Right? The Confession talks about knowledge, righteousness, and true holiness. Man is able to have a knowledge of God above what the beasts of the field can. The animals may know instinctively um, in a way that we can never comprehend that um, you know they exist and they praise God in one sense, but not in the way we can. They don't have a knowledge. They can't know God personally. They, and instinctively they might understand, uh, but I don't even think they can know that. They just, they go about their business, God created them, and what they do gives praise to God because God made them to do it, but they don't have a knowledge of God as their creator and a personal relationship with God. But man, above all the creatures of the field, is able to have that knowledge. Furthermore, man is able to live righteously and by correlation, unrighteously. An animal is not able to, to do an unrighteous act. Uh, an animal cannot do a righteous act. An animal just acts out of instinct, and you can train them, but they do not do something righteous or unrighteous. And finally, true holiness. Man is able to be separate from sin and worship God, which again, the animals cannot do. Now, the angels, which I'm not going to get into today, the angels, and we read it in Psalm 8, that we were created a little lower than the angels. The angels are, in many ways, able to do these things. They have a knowledge of God. They are able to do righteous or unrighteous acts. But the difference with angels, at least one main difference that, that I've thought of, and I'm sure there are more, is that the angels are not able to take dominion of the earth. The angels are not able to reproduce physically or spiritually, I would say. And so there, there are ways that man is distinct even from the angels as an image bearer of God. So when God creates man in his own image, excuse me, we have to think about what that means. When you're created in the image of something, or after its likeness, you're made to reflect it. And I believe it was Calvin who said that 
When man is created in God's image, he is to reflect God's glory like a mirror reflects an image. That we were made to reflect God's glory, to show who he is to others. So we're made to be in the image of God, created in his likeness, that we might represent him to others. We have that distinct responsibility and privilege as human beings, men and women, boys and girls, to represent God to others. How you live your life before other people says to them who your creator is. Now, to the degree that you follow God's word is the degree that you will correctly represent God, but we were made to represent him. This, is, this passage is a teleological passage. What that means is that um, telos means end, logical means reason, so the end reason. So the end reason that God created man, and this wouldn't be the only reason, I think ultimately we'd say the main reason God does anything is for his own glory, but the specific reason given here that God created man, the end reason, was that man would image God, would represent him, before others on this earth. Now, the question then becomes, how is man to do that? Or at least one of the questions is, how is man to do that? And I think one of the key things, very interesting, is that this passage, if you look at verse 26 and 28, both talk about this dominion mandate. In verse 27, it talks about the creation of man in God's image, but in 26 and 28, before and after that verse, it talks about the dominion mandate. And I'll get into that. So this idea of man taking dominion is intricately linked, intimately linked to this idea of being created in the image of God. Man is to represent God by taking dominion on the earth. <clears throat> so Let us consider now that we're called to exercise dominion on the earth. Now, the Hebrew word translated dominion means to, to control or govern to either build up or tear down. So it can go either way. Man can either build up the, his resources on the earth and use them to bring about blessings, or he can use everything that God has given him to bring about curses. The word can go either way. Now, if God gave man dominion, okay, we're going to talk about this. If God gave man dominion, the question is, what does that mean and how does man take dominion? If I give my children, or if, if we're here, if Justin gives his children a, a command, go out and take dominion of the backyard. Go out and take, take control, take care of the backyard. What does that mean? Does that mean the children can just go out there and, and cut down all those trees and throw their toys all around and, and you know, build monuments with the stones all over the, the yard? Does it mean that the children can do whatever they want with that yard and just make it a, a, a fort and, and do all this stuff? What does it mean when Justin tells them, go take care of the backyard? Well, it's probably going to mean something like the grass needs to be cut, uh, the leaves need to be raked. If you have any leaves here, get a couple. The uh, you know the toys need to be picked up. Um, the the doghouse needs to be cleaned. These things need to be done. Justin is giving them a standard by which they are to take dominion of the backyard. As the owner of the yard, Justin has that authority to give his children dominion and control. But also, he's going to set the standard by which they are to exercise the dominion of 
the yard. So when we think about God um, granting dominion to his creatures, the question is by what standard? And so man is given dominion by God, but he is to exercise it according to God's standard. And that standard is God's law word. God has given his law to his people that they might exercise dominion. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So, this is what happened. God created Adam and Eve, right? He gave them dominion. And this is actually the first uh, revelation from God to man we have in the Bible. The first direct special revelation from God to man. Of course, we have um, general revelation beginning in verse 1, that God creates everything. And if there were man present, which there wasn't until day 6, but if there were man present, they would have been able to see the wonder of God's creation on day one. But in our verse, we have the very first record and, and the very first instance of God's special revelation to man. He gives them a direct command beyond what they can see in nature. He speaks and says to them in verse 28, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, <clears throat> Right after God makes man in his image, what's the very first thing that God does? He gives a command to his people. Again, showing that one of the, 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 one of the, essence, part, one of the essence of our being, or part of the essence of our being, is the fact that we were made to follow God's law, to follow God's standard. We were made in his image in order that we would exercise dominion as he has dictated. So, the, so this is the first instance of... Special revelation, God gives a command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the earth. <clears throat> now, what happened, God gives Adam this dominion. He, he gives him this dominion over the earth. He gives him his law. And the confession would say that God gave Adam the moral law as well. And I'm not sure if there was more revelation. I'm sure there was more interaction between God and Adam than recorded. But even if it wasn't um, direct revelation, we know that God wrote his moral law on Adam's heart, just like he has written his law on everyone's heart. And so God gave Adam a standard to follow, specifically in the garden, what to do, what not to do, to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, also, I would say the moral law was in effect. He was not um, to murder his wife. He was not to um, commit adultery once more um, people were born into the world and things like that. So Adam had a standard to follow to take dominion. What Adam did, though, is Adam fell into sin. Instead of exercising dominion as God had ordained according to God's law, Adam chose to listen to Satan and his own flesh. And so he had that dominion mandate. He had that responsibility from God to cultivate the garden, to cultivate the whole earth, and yet he chose to do it on his terms. And because of that, in a very real sense, mankind gave up their dominion. They gave up their, 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 their power to take dominion. Now, it wasn't lost completely. Just as the image of God was not lost in the fall, we still re retain the image of God whether we're, we're saved or not. In the same way, man is still called to take dominion of the earth. And I think we can see this in the fact that unrighteous man has taken dominion in very unrighteous ways. And we look around and you see some of the things that mankind has carried out in the history of humanity. You see very horrible things. You see unjust wars. You see tyranny, oppression. 
You see things that are against God's law. And so the fact that man still has the ability to take dominion unrighteously shows us that God still requires man to take dominion righteously. And when we see men through the power of Christ, which we'll get to, seeking to do that, men and women seeking to do that, we do see great blessings. So the dominion mandate still applies. In fact, every man is required, every man, woman, boy, and girl is required to take dominion. God requires every person to take dominion of what God has given them for his glory, whether you're saved or not, because God created everyone, and everyone is responsible to obey the law of their creator. But Adam, our first father, the first Adam, we'll talk about the second Adam in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the first Adam fell into sin, sought to take take dominion for his own ends, and in a sense gave over that dominion to Satan. He said, Satan, you can take dominion of the earth because I don't want to take it in the way that God has called me to, and in a sense said, you can take it. And so Satan has taken over, took over the earth in, in a very real way, uh, that's why when Jesus was tempted in the desert, Satan said, I'll give you all this stuff if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, no, uh, he, he wouldn't do that. He was going to go to the cross. And as, as the, and the Council of the Trinity had planned from eternity past, that that's the way that Jesus would take back that dominion mandate. So here's what happens. Satan takes dominion of the earth. Man, of course, acts as a puppet of Satan, now given over to sin and, and following the, the course of this world and, and the flesh and Satan and and unrighteousness spreading throughout the earth. And then Jesus comes, the second Adam. right? And preachers will often talk about how Jesus came, and which is true and fulfilled all that Adam didn't, but they won't talk about the dominion mandate and how Jesus fulfilled that and now the applications of that. So Jesus did all that Adam couldn't do. He obeyed the law perfectly. And then when he went to the cross, he defeated death and Satan. And he took back that dominion that man had given to Satan. He took it back. He defeated the principalities of this world. He defeated Satan. He took it back. And one of the main reasons we know that is because in Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says to his followers, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus takes back this dominion from Satan, and then he gives the dominion mandate again, essentially, that you are to take the law of God, all that Jesus has taught, and apply it to all the nations. You are to apply it to all the nations. And so some people would say, well, the dominion mandate doesn't apply anymore. God just gave it to Adam. He just gave it to Adam and Eve because they were the first human beings they needed to cultivate the earth. Um, I think that's nonsense because... Um, All people still take dominion, either for righteousness or unrighteousness, and the dominion mandate still applies. It still applies to everyone. Now, it was given to righteous man, though. Adam was a righteous man when God gave it. And so, it still specifically is to be carried out by righteous man. Now, the problem is, with sin and and unrighteous men continue to carry out their own uh, initiatives instead of God's, but in Christ now, there is a new man created. There's a new righteous man, the Christian, the man and woman, and I'm using man here to refer to both male and female. The new man is created in true righteousness and holiness, Paul says in Ephesians. We're created anew in the new birth, and we are, in that sense, given the dominion mandate over again. You know, it's it's a recapitulate. Hey, you failed to take dominion in the beginning, but Jesus came and defeated Satan, and now you're called 
to take dominion again. Now, so one of the issues that the uh, one of my main concerns with with the church today and throughout history, and this and the church is made up of this new righteous man, is that they've abdicated their responsibility when it comes to the dominion mandate. And uh, R.J. Rushdoony said this. The church now, instead of wanting victory and dominion in the face of tribulation, wants rather to be raptured out of it. Will not God give rather tribulation than rapture to such a people? Should they not tremble before God and change their ways? So what Rushdoony is saying is this. God gave this mandate to Adam. And I'm going to get into this real specific. I'm going to try to make it specific what I mean by the dominion mandate uh, when, I get, when I wrap up here. But God gave this mandate. If I had to summarize, let me take a minute. If I had to summarize it and make it real simple and say, what is the dominion mandate? Well, it's simply this. It's simply taking God's law and applying it to your life. So the law of God, Jesus summarized it as loving God and loving your neighbor. And that's, of course, the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. The first four, what we call the first table of the law, refers to our duty towards God. And the second table, commands five through ten, the last six, refer to our duty towards fellow man. So to take dominion is to take God's instructions, his blueprint for life, and apply them to your life, to the fullest extent, everything in your life. Obviously, you can't control everything in the world, but you can, to your best, control everything in your own sphere, what you can do. You can't control other people, but you control your actions, and you apply God's law to your life. So it's, it's taking dominion is loving God and loving neighbor. Now, there's a ton of application that comes from that. For example, if we wanted to talk about uh, law, we would talk about the um, Eighth Commandment is thou shalt not steal. So we would apply that to society if we're in a role, and certainly as citizens in America, we're in a role to vote and things like that. And, and if you are a magistrate, you are able to apply God's law to love God and love your neighbor to your legislation, right? If you are a business owner, you apply God's law about being just and fair to your business. If your husband and wife will get into that. So you're applying God's law to your, to your life, what God has given you to do. That's how you take dominion. So the, the, the church has kind of said, well, you know what? Our job on earth isn't to apply God's law to every area of life. It's just to apply God's law to a very small area of life, just the spiritual, just the, uh, the, the you know, the, the pietism, just, just church, just within the church walls. And we don't want to apply God's law to all of life, even though God gave this mandate. And when we read in Psalm 8 that God told Adam, everything, I've set you over everything, and then it refers to all these beasts and creatures. I mean, that those phrases are used to say everything. God has put you over everything. Man is to exercise dominion over everything. We are to cultivate our resources, our time, our talents, our abilities, according to God's standard, which is God's law. So man has, um, at the church in, in some sense, you know, has said, well, that's not our responsibility. And we'd rather be taken out of this earth than exercise dominion on it. And I think that's a big mistake. So, um, one more quote here from, uh, from Pastor Einwechter. He says this, The dominion mandate is not primarily agricultural or technological, but ethical. It calls men to exercise dominion in the earth according to God's law word for the honor and glory of God. Man is to rule the earth as God's representative, 
and develop the resources of the earth in accord with the Creator's will. Now, again, this, this, so this, there's applications here to economics, to agricultural to, to things, to technological things, but the essence is ethical. The, the way that man carries out his life is to be done in accord with God's law. And all our resources, not just um, you know, technological resources, but our resources in the home, our time, our children, everything is to be carried out according to God's law word. So, we have the dominion mandate given by God to Adam that he would take dominion of all the earth. We have the loss of this in the fall. We have the restoration of this mandate when Jesus Christ defeated Satan and gave the mandate back to his people. And now we are tasked now to apply this passage in our lives. So, to wrap up and summarize here, I would say, you know, how may we apply this this dominion mandate? There's a lot of applications. Let me start with just a general one, not specifically for us, but just uh, more of a philosophical application from this text that, you know, there might be some people out there, I don't know if they're called environmentalists or what, they would say, well, the problem on earth is man. Man's the problem. You know, that's we have all this climate change. We have this, our resources are running out because of man. But the Bible doesn't give us that that option, the problem is not man. Now, the problem might be unrighteous man, but the problem is not man because God made the earth and he made us to take dominion on the earth. So the problem is not unrighteous man. The pro- the pro- excuse me, the problem is not man. The problem is unrighteous man. So our, the solution is not to, to, to have us to not take dominion and not cultivate our resources. The solution is for man to do it according to God's law, to God's word, to God's way instead of our way. So, and there's so many things like that. When you just listen to to um, the godless and the the pagan philosophies spewing out these things that are so contrary to God's word, um, it, man man is not the problem. Unrighteousness and deviating from God's law is the problem, and that's what we see. If if we just left the earth to 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 its own devices, if you will, without man, it would not be a better picture. It would be worse. Uh, man is to 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 cultivate the earth, to, to use resources, to, to have businesses, to raise families, to, to take dominion. That's why this whole idea that there's too many people on the earth is nonsense. There's, there's so much space. There's so much that can be, be done. God has given us you know, way more than we need, and it's our job to, to fulfill this mandate. So, application, I t- started to touch on this. So, in general, to take dominion in your life, you take God's rules... And you start with the Ten Commandments, which is the moral law of God, which all the commands in Scripture then are basically applications from those Ten Commandments. All the civil law that God gave to Israel, not the ceremonial, but the civil law is basically applications of the Ten Commandments. Here's how you apply this in society. If someone steals something from you and breaks the Eighth Commandment, here's, here are the consequences. If someone murders someone and breaks the Sixth Commandment, here are the consequences. So you take God's law and you apply it to your life. That's how you take the minute. You start when you're very young. You take God's law and you say, okay, God tells me to honor my parents. God tells me to not murder by application of that. I'm to not hate by further application. I'm to be kind to my siblings. I'm to seek to help them. And you, you, you take what God has given you, and you may not think it's a lot right now if you're little, but you take what God has given you, your room, your bed, 
um, your interactions in the home, and you take God's law, and you apply it to your life, and you take dominion because God has given you those things. God has given you a home, a family, responsibilities, and you apply God's law to those things. That's how you take dominion. Now, that may not seem like this grand picture of Adam and Eve cultivating the earth, and but Adam and Eve could not cultivate the whole earth by themselves. I mean, they couldn't even probably cultivate the the whole garden by themselves, which is why God told them, be fruitful and multiply, because there's no way they could have done that by themselves. So this has huge implications society-wise and Christian civilization-wise, but it starts with individuals, and it starts with children, and it starts with, with, with men and women who are seeking to take God's word and apply it to their life. That's how you take dominion, and that's why... In many ways, that just kind of scratched my head when people, sometimes people are very opposed to this idea of Christians taking dominion because they think, oh, you know, that's, that's crazy and you're going to get away from the gospel and blah, 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 because, you know, that's not our job to, it's not our job to change it. Well, you're missing the point. Like, your job is to take everything you do in your life and take God's law and apply it to whatever you're doing. And, and the only way we can do that, we know, is because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That Jesus defeated Satan, defeated sin, and gave us the ability now to obey God's law. The only reason we can take dominion now is because of what Jesus did. Adam failed. If we were in his shoes, we would have done the same thing. And so if Jesus hadn't come and, and, and died for sinners and rose again, There'd be no point in talking about this dominion mandate because we would just continue to fail over and over again, even in the smallest thing, to take dominion in our life. But now through Christ, we are able to. So you, you, you start with that. You start with the, the foundation. Okay, what has God given me? You know, I'm, I'm, for me, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm an employee, um, among other things. You know, I'm a friend, all these things. So I take that and I start to apply God's law to my life. That's how I take dominion. That's how I make change. That's how I affect change in the world. And it starts, it may, and it may not seem like much, but all but people doing that, Christians doing that, brings about great change. So we talked about kids. Mothers and wives. I mean, you look at mothers. I mean, mothers have an incredible opportunity to take dominion of the earth um, as, a, as a helper to their husband and as a, um, a, a, a leader of their children in the home. They have an incredible opportunity to take dominion of the resources that God has given them to teach their children how to apply God's word to their life, to teach their children how to apply God's word to every aspect of their life. So, so mothers taking dominion would mean to, to take what God has given them and taking God's word and putting it into practice. And that brings about huge blessings in the world. Again, you see the consequences of this clearly. You see mothers who and I'll get to fathers too, but you see mothers who are unrighteous and don't take dominion according to God's way are still influencing and taking dominion, in a sense, of their children and their homes, but for unrighteousness. And then you're going to see the consequences of that. And sometimes it's very painful and very clear that, that wow, you know, we have an incredible responsibility and privilege to take dominion, and when we don't follow God's way, the, the, the results are disastrous. So fathers as well, I mean, we have an incredible, God has given us dominion um, in our homes as the leaders of the home to love our love and lead our wives and to teach and train our children. And this is perhaps the, the greatest fault, the, one of the greatest consequences of the fall is that men have failed to do this. Men have failed to take dominion 
for God and instead have taken it for themselves and have sought their own advancement, their own career, their own pleasure instead of seeking to obey God's law and apply God's law over what God has placed them over. Business owners, of course, take God's law and apply it to their to their job, to how they treat their employees, um, to how they run their business. Employees apply God's law to, to how you interact with, with your boss, to how you interact with your fellow employees. There's so much here. Of course, when we go through the Bible and teach on different passages, all it, it, it's all about taking dominion. As I thought about this, I said, this, this passage gives us the reason we were made, the end reason to represent God and take dominion. So everything else in the Bible has to come back to this. Everything we read in the Bible has to come back to, to why God made us and our responsibilities to God. And so every, every, every command, everything we read in the New Testament, Old Testament, about how we are to be, how we are to act, it all comes back to you're to do this because God made you in his image to represent him. So you're to be kind and patient with others because God is kind and patient. And you're to represent him to others, and that's one way you can take dominion as well, by, by showing who God is and by demonstrating him to others. So there's so much more application we could get into there. Uh, I want to wrap up now, but as you continue to read through the Bible and look at the commands, re- remember this, this beginning as kind of a foundational framework that God made man to represent himself on this earth. And so when you live out your life, you're called to represent God on this earth by living according to his law. I want to end with just a, a, a brief story that I heard from Richard Phillips. There's a small boy who um, built a model boat. You guys build model planes or boats or anything like that? So he went out and he, 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 he put together a model boat. He built this thing. Uh, it took him a lot of time. And he went down to the lake and put the boat on the lake, and the thing was sailing wonderfully. It was magnificent. Everything worked great. Uh, it just sailed and sailed, and it just sailed clean away, and he couldn't find the boat. He searched and searched uh, everywhere on that lake, and he could not find the boat. And he was very sad um, because he put a lot of time into making that boat, and he created it, and he was very sad. And so weeks and months went by, and finally he went to – he was walking downtown, and he saw a, a little store there, and he looked in the window, and there was his boat. It was his exact boat. He knew because he had put his, his initials in it, and that was his boat, and the store owner was selling that boat. And he went into that store, and the little boy said, that's my boat. I need, I need that back. And the store owner said, hey, I, you know, I paid a good price for that. I can't just give it to you. Um, you you got to pay the price for it. So the boy left the store, and, and he did what I think anyone would do that wants their boat back. He went out and worked. He cut grass. He did chores. He got money. And after a few weeks, he went back. And he went in and he gave the store owner that money and he had to pay more than he paid for that original kit. Because now this thing was built and the store owner was selling it uh, at a a higher price. Because the boy had done a good job of building it too. So he goes back and he gives the store owner that money and he gets his boat back. And he walks out of that store and he says to the boat, now you're twice mine. One, because I made you. And two, because I bought you. And that's how it is with us. We are created by God. One, but two, we've been bought by the blood of Christ. We're twice his. And so as Christians, how much more are we responsible to God to carry out the mandate that he has given us? We're made in his image, but we're also bought by the blood of Christ. We're bought back. 
and again given this command through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have an incredible privilege and responsibility, not just as God's creatures, which all men are, all men are created, but not all men are bought by the blood of Christ and are called to be a new man, a new woman in righteousness and holiness and represent God on this earth. And that is the key to taking dominion. So let's close in prayer, and then if there's any comments or questions, we'll do that, and then we'll close with a song, right? Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. I pray that you would uh, encourage us with your word. I pray that we would take dominion of what you have given us to take dominion over. You have given the earth, you have given dominion of the earth to man, and you have given each one of us, man, woman, boy, girl, a small uh, sphere in this, this world that we are to take dominion of, and I pray we would do that with a joyful heart. And we would do it in accord with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, is there any uh, comments or questions?